You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to be together this morning. Uh, like Steve says, we are a community around the world, and we have people coming in and out all the time. And it's great to have Raul with us. Raul, stand on up, UCLA graduate. That's uh, Kenny's boyfriend, and uh, he's in Philadelphia studying uh, to be a teacher. And uh, we had a grad night on Friday night as well for all the students who are graduating. Kenny's graduating from Otis as well. And she wants to be a teacher as well. So we got teachers in love uh, hanging out here. So I really appreciate that. Uh, then we got Michael to stand on up from Chicago. We have Michael Ayers. He uh, wants to be transferring in from the Chicago church. And uh, we're looking hey, to take some time to meet uh, Michael today and get him out to dinner or lunch. That'd be great. And then Oscar, are you, where are you, Oscar? Oscar, let me get Oscar to stand on up. Oscar Rodriguez is uh, coming in from Turning Point as well. You know, I appreciate Steve. Uh, Steve, uh, he thinks big. And uh, he's been here for about three months. And I uh, appreciate Steve and Carrie getting together with every, every, pretty much every group here in the West Side, really getting to know people. And one thing I appreciate about Steve is he thinks big. He has great faith. And I appreciate the Easter service coming on up. And one thing we want to do for that is that we want to have a Jericho walk next week. And for those that can, come on out. We're going to meet at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, before Easter service. And we're going to walk around together and pray for a little while together for our service the next day. Amen? So 7 a.m. in the morning, just by the park here, and uh, we get a chance to get uh, pray for Easter. Saturday morning. Saturday morning, uh, pray for Sunday morning service. I got it? Uh, Kevin, you did such a great job. Kevin, awesome job. Uh, from one disgraced Asian to another, awesome job. I didn't get the best grades neither. And Kevin and I are thinking about starting a Asian boy band called BTS. And, uh, but it stands for bad test scores. So that's what our BTS stands for. But, uh, Kevin, you did a, such a great job today and really, uh, shared from your heart and what God has done in your life. You know, as you know, we've been working on a series called Unleashed, and it's building up towards Easter. And the point of that is that the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus unleashed for us an opportunity in life to really have the life that God wants us to have. And uh, we have different, uh, you know, topics that we were dealing with. Last week, we had uh, Sam Powell came in and talked about breaking, unleashing our, from our bad habits. And he talked about just unleashing from our our selfishness. I thought that was a great lesson. Today I was given the uplifting uh, title of oppression uh, to talk about. And uh, I thought about this for a couple of weeks, and it's really a broad, such a broad topic. How do you handle all the oppression that has happened around the world in a few millenniums in 30 minutes? But I will try to do my best. But, you know, as Kirk mentioned, uh, we all try to do our best as we live here on this earth. And this past week, uh, we saw the memorial of Nipsey Russell, Hustle. And, uh, see, I, I, it's, I, I, there's a story to that. Some of the kids are like laughing at me. I'm gonna get back to that. Uh, Nipsey Hustle, uh, was a guy that found a lot of fame, uh, in his community, the Crenshaw community. And instead of really benefiting from his fame and building a life for himself, he went back to his community and really started all these programs that brought money back into the community. He was an activist, uh, he was a rapper, he was an activist, and an entrepreneur, and so much more. 
And uh, what a senseless death that he went through a couple weeks ago. And it's a big loss. And I know for some of us, we don't realize what a big loss it is. Even though Crenshaw is only about three, four miles away. But I think in our hearts and, and culturally, we're just not that connected to it. And I think with his death, it really has brought a connection to that community, to us. And to my shame, I didn't know that much about Nipsey Hussle as well. But it meant a lot to people like Rob and Colette Hanna, who worked in the community. And to them, they realized what a big loss to not only that community, but to L.A. as well. So I appreciate Rob. You know, it, it, he took it pretty hard. And he came over and really educated me on some of the things that he was doing and trying to do in the community. So what i like to do right now is just to bow our heads together and offer up a prayer, not only for our sermon, but, but for the L.A. community as well. Father, we uh, had a big loss this week from someone who really cared about people and a God who brought his fame and used his fame to really help so many. God has lost, really left a void in our community, and I pray that even today as we talk about your lesson, that we can really learn to have that spirit as well. I think a spirit that Jesus wants us to have, to, to not only talk about justice, talk about really helping people, but to really get in there and, and figure out ways that we can... Uh, uh, build up our community as well. Amen. Father, bless our Easter service next week. That's one way that we can do it, is to bring people to listen to your word and to really be enamored by you and uh, really to be inspired by you. Please be with us today, this morning, as we really listen to the word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oppression. Well, you know, I think this is something that is that we go through without even knowing it. And we suffer oppression and we oppress other people in so many ways. And today we want to get a chance to talk about how the Bible addressed the issue of suffering and oppression. And what I like about the Bible is that in little, a few words, even in a sentence or two, the Bible is able to encapsulate what's really going on and help us to really think about uh, this topic. This passage here, it says, a poor man's farm, a poor person's farm, may produce much food, but injustice sweeps it all away. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. It says, God, what is he saying? He's saying that, hey, look, it's not God's fault. God actually wants people to be prosperous and to produce things. But the Bible says that, but it is injustice. The winds of injustice sweeps it away. When Lena and I were in Vietnam, this was really cool. And then, you know, Vietnam had gone through a war, uh, a civil war, and cost a lot of lives. The American War, uh, they, they call it, cost 58,000 American lives. And you can see their names in Washington, D.C. But if they were to build a wall in Vietnam, it would be miles and miles because they lost about 3.5 million people in that conflict. And they fought over an idea and that idea was that men were created equal and that in socialism and communism, everybody was going to be able to be equal together. And yet Jesus said this, and it blew my mind as we lived there and we saw the injustice there, the iniquity there, and we saw this passage here. And it says, the poor you will always have with you. And within half a sentence, it's not even one full sentence, Jesus was able to encapsulate all that was going on in the human condition. That the poor will always have with us. And we're going to go back to this passage a little bit later on. 
And yet these were the exact reasons. This is the exact reason why Jesus came. And I'm so excited about our service next Sunday, but we want to build up to that. And this is, we're going to look at some passages at the end of Jesus' life, but this passage, the next one we're going to read, it comes at the beginning of his life and it expresses his hopes and his vision for the world. And he says this, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and he, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And it said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You can see the scene. Jesus sat down, unrolling the scroll. And this passage has probably been read before, but on this particular day, it was very special because the reader himself says, it's talking about me. And Jesus says, I have come. I've been anointed by God. I've been appointed by God. And back in the day, they used oil to anoint someone. And we're going to read a story about a woman that did just that for Jesus towards the end of his life. But at the beginning of his life, the Bible says, Jesus said, God God anointed him with this message to set us free. You know, freedom is not just about poverty. It's not just about it. For most of us, you know, we are so lucky. You know, according to statistician, the lower 5% of the United States we we are so far ahead of the rest of the world in terms of of poverty that the lowest five percent of our country is the equivalent to five the top five percent of most countries around the world. That's pretty amazing. But for us, I think the oppression a lot of it comes from our own minds. What goes through between our ears and the pressure that we feel. And I hope that today we can address both of those things as well. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 14. You know, we're focusing on the last few days of Jesus' life. And we're going to read Mark chapter 14. And we're going to jump into an episode where this woman came to anoint Jesus. And within these short amount of words, we see different types of oppression that Jesus addressed. Let's read together. In Mark chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not only during the festival, they said, for our people may riot. Anytime you have someone that's going to institute a change, Someone that's going to really stir things up a little bit, there's going to be opposition. And these people look at Jesus who had absolutely no power and says he is a threat to our current scheme of things. And they say we're going to arrest this guy and get rid of him. He suffered from religious oppression. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured perfume and anointed Jesus on his head. The second oppression that we see right here is just the oppression from 
the natural world itself. Leprosy was a major scourge at that time. Now today, none of us uh, are struggling with leprosy, but there's there's another scourge that is daunting in our lives. As we get older, you know, we're thinking about these things as well. I'm turning 52. Well, I'm 52. I forgot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm turning 53. Um, I worry, you know, we have a little one, seven-year-old. You know, I worry about, okay, am I going to make it long-term here? You know, they said that the average American, uh, the population of America, 30% of us will have some kind of cancer within our lifetime. That's a lot. That's one-third of the people. Some form of, of cancer. So it's not leprosy, but just that the world, our health, oppress us. Some of the some of those present there saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage uh, wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. You know, I I I'm not a woman, right? I'm glad. I'm really happy about that. I like being a man. Um, but women, even in America today, oh, we're so advanced. Women, for the same jobs that they do, only get about 75, 80% of that same man's position. Studies have shown this. There's, it's, it's, there's all kinds of oppression that is in our midst if we just stop and think about it. And I appreciate the Bible pointing that out. They couldn't stand this woman interrupting their little dinner or whatever they were having and doing this little thing, and they rebuked her harshly, the Bible says. Jesus says this, leave her alone. You know, I think sometimes we like to see Jesus as this person that is really nice, soft, doesn't care, doesn't say anything, real graceful, loving dove. I like Jesus the way he is. He tells the whole group, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, the poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me, she said. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare, prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. You know, the Bible, if you read it carefully, it's pretty insightful. What did Jesus say? In this society that this woman operates in, she's very oppressed. And within this society, she's doing what she can. Okay? That describes our society today as well. As we close out this passage here, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear uh, this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Within Jesus' community itself. Judas, an intimate part of that community, says, you know what, Jesus, you're kind of going off the rails here. You're not doing what I'm expecting you to do. You're not doing what I envisioned this movement to be, and I'm going to try to force your hand. And we read this passage here, and we go, well, that's Judas, right? But if we really think about it, a lot of Judas is in us as well. That we cherry-pick what is good about what Christianity is, 
And where Jesus says some things that we don't like, we either tune it off or we kind of do our own thing. There are three things I want to talk about today, the kind of oppression that Jesus wants to unleash us from. Amen? Number one, he wants us to be freed from dead and deadly religion. If you read your Bible carefully, if you read it carefully, who did Jesus have the most arguments with and have the hardest time with? It was not the people that were prostitutes or the tax collectors. It was religious people. It was people that kind of kind of got their way set. It was kind of people that, hey, we're doing this. We're kind of justifying it. We go to church. Leave us alone. And he comes in and he disrupts everything and they want to get rid of him. Dead and deadly religion. You know, we talk about poverty. We talk about our country today in the U.S., 2019. But our history is not very good in terms of the way we treat one another in society. And, you know, uh, Gabby always asks me, who's my favorite president? I think one of my favorite presidents is Abraham Lincoln. And one of the reasons is that he was, he was wrestling with these things while other people were not willing to look at it. And he said this about America at that time. He says, as a nation, we began by declaring that all men were created equal. We now practically read it, all men are created equal except Negroes. When it comes to this, I should prefer immigrating to some country where they make no pretense of loving liberty. To Russia, perhaps, for instance, where despotism can be taken as pure and without the base alloy of hypocrisy. Isn't that intense? He's, he, he's looking at society. He goes, you know what? We kind of started off with this great idea. What happened to it? And he says that this, this hypocrisy is permeating throughout the land. We know what happened after that. It caused a great civil war. Where Jesus says what? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life to the full. And unlike the world, Jesus is not giving up on that dream. Neither for you, for me, people in the past, or people in the future. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient. And the list goes on. And at the end, he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. You know, God wants our hearts, not just our perfunctory things that we do. I want to tell you a story that really resonated with me. I, Lena and I were in Burma. This is about 10 years ago. I got, a, I got an email from my sister saying that his, her daughter, their daughter, my sister and her husband, their daughter had run away. And this was in November in Oregon. And um, I remember and we were just heartbroken. You know, she was 17 at the time. She said, we were just heartbroken. I flew back, and we spent our days looking up and down the coast of California. It was snowing at that time, and our worst fear was that at the end of that, we're going to find you know, when the spring, when the spring a thaw comes, we're going to find her body somewhere, right? So we spent just up and down, up and down driving, and just looking for her. 
And one day we came back home and we were sitting at the kitchen table and the father said something to me that I'll never, ever forget. He says, you know, I, I want to find my daughter, but I don't want to find her physically and just to drag her body here. I want her heart here as well. You know, for a father who just lost his daughter, right? For him to say that, he understood something about the human heart and what God wants us to have. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to really have our own conviction and our own faith and our own sense of who God is and what God wants from us. Isn't that what every father and mother's dream is? Maybe not, but that's what God wants, right? And the short of the story is that she did come back after a year later because she felt so oppressed by my sister because my sister is a very helicopter parent that she waited until 18, she came back, you know, and she kind of messed up her life. It was hard. But I'll never forget that lesson and how God wants this. He wants the real thing in us. Amen? So when we hear stuff that we're going to do this, where it's Easter Sunday or prayer time together, we got to get our heart behind it. we got to figure that out and wrestle through that ourselves. Amen? It's got to be our own faith. For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. I want to challenge us here today. And here's what I want to challenge. I want to challenge the leaders here, and myself included. You see, one of the great failures of American history is that where were all those churches during those times of slavery? Where were the churches that, that knew the word of God? That understood the word of God? What happened? What happened to that crescendo a people of faith that says, this is wrong, whether it's in the north or in the south, and to say, this is wrong. This is not who we are, that all men are created equal. We were created in the image of God. And yes, we read the Bible, and you can cherry-pick stuff that are out of context, and you can use that to justify slavery, but that's not what the Bible says. Where were those leaders? And when Paul looked at his life as a leader... A lot of times, what do leaders do? They challenge the people. I want to challenge myself. And pray in the Spirit in all occasion and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all those, all the Lord's people. Pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will speak what? Fearlessly. Make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fiercely what? As I should. I want you to challenge us as, as ministers. Come up and says, Ken, that was milk toast. I'm not kidding. Say, dude, give us some meat. Give us something strong. Give us, give us something to, to really move and shape the community of God. Amen. He came to unleash us from what? From dead and deadly religion. Point number two. He came to unleash us to fearlessly bring true justice in this world. True justice. I don't know who you think you are. Someone to come to church on Sunday? 
But God has given us an incredible authority and power. Not to be abusing other people, but we are ambassadors of Christ. When I was in college, I wanted to be an ambassador. I, I saw their little cars and little flags on their car. I go, I want to be one of those guys. You get treated, you know, around really nice. But ambassadors of Christ is different. You know, we need to really look at some scriptures and understand who we are. Not too high, not too low, but as who we are before the eyes of God. You've got to catch a dream. We've got to be inspiring, amen? You know, some of the guys here that are single and you want to find a wife, i, I got to tell you a secret, you know, when you want to find a wife, you've you got to be inspiring. You can't go on these dates and say, oh, my back or my neck. Or, you know, I was like, dude, how's going to get the job done? You know, when I was courting Lena, it was 1988 during the Tiananmen Square thing, and I saw the guy standing in front of the tank, you know, and I said, you know, I brought Lena out. It was our date, and we overlooked the city. And I go, yeah, that guy's inspiring. And I was trying to sneak a message in there that I'm like that. <laughs> You know, oh yeah, that guy, he stood in front of the tanks. If it was me, I would lie in front of the tank or something. You gotta do something like that, man. Was I gonna do that? Heck no. I'm scared, you know? No way. Yes, I wanna be a martyr, but I wanna do it on my terms. I want, no one's gonna shoot me and martyr me when I'm sleeping. Right? And hopefully in REM stage when I'm like deep sleep. Right? But we gotta be more inspiring, brothers. I hear some of the brothers sometimes, man, you guys are complaining about your health. Yes. You know, I appreciate Al Donaldson. Al Donaldson is my hero. How old are you, Al? Huh? Al Donaldson's 72. He has more energy than all of us, man. That guy's awesome. Got a young wife. <laughs> I'll stop there. You know, it's like, yeah, he's inspiring. You gotta pretend, amen. You know, Martin Luther says we are saved by faith alone. And if we stop there, a lot of us like that. I don't have to do anything. I just say by faith. God loves me, He does. But there's a second part of that. He says, What? But not faith which is alone. He says, We are saved by faith alone, but not faith that is alone. He's saying that if you really have faith, if we really have faith, it emanates through our bodies, through our lives. Amen? If we really believe. If we really believe. You know what uh, Muhammad Gandhi said? He was living with a family and they were trying to convert him. He didn't believe. He says, but if this is true, the word of God, he says, if the Bible is true, he says, I will walk a hundred miles on bare glass just to tell one person. If the gospel is true, and we are a people that believe is true. Amen? Come on, look at the room today. Look at all the empty spaces in here. I see some kids, man, you are barely, I'm going to torture you. You are barely awake. Some of you guys are yawning and stuff like that. I'm going to torture you. I'm going to go longer. I see a clock. I forget the clock. I'm going to go longer. I'm going to go longer. The more you yawn, the longer I go. That's just the way it is. Okay. It says, those who profess, this is Frederick Douglass. You can get a history lesson today. A civics lesson. It says, those who profess to favor freedom. And get, and yet deprecate agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the ground. Woo! You want everything.
everything to be safe. You want things to be nice. You don't want to disturb anybody. Frederick Douglass says, you want crops, you got to agitate the ground. And this is scriptural, by the way. Look at what the Bible says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field to agitate the ground. Let's stir up somebody's life this week. Amen? Let's interject. Let's, let's interject in their lives. Invite them to church. Invite them to, to, to Easter service. Invite them into a Bible study. Stir up their lives. Till up the ground a little bit. Amen? We're going to close the second point with this. This is very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and he went and found him. They exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And here's a surprising piece of this passage here. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. To the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. That's good news for us. You know why? I can't do any miracles. Okay? You can't do any miracles. Not the, not the one that is legit. Okay? That's, that's, that's okay. Because Jesus says that's not what we need. He says actually what we need, we already have. What did he say? So I can preach there also. It's words. Ideas that are powerful. Ideas, words, coming from conviction and a life that backs it up is powerful. That's what's powerful. He says, I, I, I don't want to go back there. These people, what they want from me is a few tricks and that's not going to save their lives. What I can offer them is eternal life. True freedom. True justice. Let me close out this section here. You know what's the good news for us too, for those who are fighting for justice and we need to do that, amen? I think that's where the Nipsey hustles of the world, he stole that name from Nipsey Russell. That's why I said Nipsey Russell, right? To all the kids back there laughing at me, thinking that I don't know, but I actually do know. Okay. Right? We have what we need to change society. Amen? My last point. He unleashed us for life beyond the boundary of this body. You're going to get sick. You're going to die. 30% cancer rates. 100% mortality rates. We're all going to die. Right? But the promise of Jesus goes beyond just health and wealth and a good life. For so many of us, you know what we want sometimes? You know what the world wants? They want good advice, but they don't want the gospel. They don't want the good news. They want some good advice. That's it, and it stops there. But Jesus broke the boundaries. He says, I consider my life, this is Paul, and our present sufferings are not worth comparing to with glory that will be reviewed in us. 
For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation is waiting for us. Isn't that cool? He's waiting. History is waiting for us to get our act together. For creation was subjected to frustration. This is God. Not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from his bondage to the clay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. God allows the frustration in this world today to point us to something that is greater, deeper, and long-lasting. That's what it's saying. So all of our ills and all of our sickness and all of our pains, it's pointing to a greater hope than this. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by what is life. Now that the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God himself who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You know, when we preach a sermon, there's a couple of things that we do. One is to address the needs of the congregation itself. But number two is to really hopefully inspire those who are coming to choose what is better. To choose what is better. If you... What is your hope today that you're visiting today? What is your answer? If the gospel is not the answer, what is your answer for life? And how assured are you of the life that is to come? What's your answer? you got to figure that out. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, it says, I say, and would prefer to be away from this body and home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him. Whether we are at home in this body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Whether we like it or not, that's what the Bible says. And we, believe it or not, we are also oppressed by the understanding and the knowledge that we're going to have to give an account for our lives. Whether we suppress that in our lives and come up with another theology that try to just mask that, in our heart of hearts, we know one day we're going to sit and stand before the judgment throne of God. Stand and has to give an account of our lives. Are we ready for that day? For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Well, that's been really inspiring. <laughs> Love you. Let's close out with this. All this is pointing us towards what? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm looking forward to hearing Steve preach to us next week. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. Amen? And to God be the glory on that. You've just listened to the Westside Podcast. 
for more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.